It's me, your friendly neighborhood hexagon announcer from the EFC, Shane the Duke Wellington, and you're listening to The Takedown. want to welcome in the great Richie Kwan into studio finally getting you in thank you so much for taking the time out it's been a long time eh? yo I think when did we start this podcast two years, two years ago, ago. Yeah, I think so. since then I've been gunning to get you on and finally got you in yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> so Rich um, lately you were just with Boyd overseas with his fight yeah how's that experience no it's good man I, I dig Russia um, <clears throat> the Russian promotions are a little bit different from the others like we've kind of been to every promotion in the world nearly now the russian promotions are for russians you know and that's what a lot of guys don't understand there are so many dagestani russian fighters out there that you know they also have money these uh, russian billionaires and that's what the promotions are made for i mean right now we've got 28 28 dagestani russians that are signed to the ufc and that all happened in the last four years and it's because of these promotions like global fight night acb and so forth but what a lot of guys don't understand when you sign with these promotions that's what you're up against so you know as long as you understand that you'll be okay but if you don't understand that you you're going to learn the hard way you know well it doesn't mean that they're bad promotion i understand that it's probably one of the best promotions I've ever been with um, they take care of you uh, no they do their job um, but understand the, the actual promotion on fight night is for Russians yeah fair enough so so what's that promotion KSW KSW is a Polish one oh, Polish. apparently yeah. they get arenas 70 to 80 yeah, so thousand people the, the thing the, the thing with uh, let's take the two promotions like KSW and global fight night the none of their fighters have ever really gone over to the UFC because at the end of the day fighters fight for pay- paycheck and if you if you're a good promotion and you take care of the fighters you don't really need to leave so KSW is actually probably the number one out there in terms of those that that reason none of their fighters uh, their champions have ever gone to the UFC and they've been approached by it offered contracts but if they're getting triple the amount that they're getting in the UFC, why would they need to leave? It's the same as uh, Ben Askram from uh, 1FC. Yeah. Didn't want to go. Why didn't he go? 1FC was taking care of him so so well that why now does he need to go to step one when he's on step 20, you know? So, I mean, it's good for the industry. We need these promotions. So, so do you think the UFC is seen as a top promotion just because of its longevity? UFC is that uh, pinnacle icon it's more of like a prestige thing i think now um a lo- it, it, and it's it's going out like a lot of guys are going Ah, i don't actually need to go to the mm-hmm. ufc but you still want to say that a i'm top five in the ufc or i fought in the ufc or i've got a U- i've had a ufc belt or so forth it's more i think a, a, a prestige thing can you make money in the ufc of course we you can we but it's the entertainment business you know so there's certain things that you have to work on uh, personas and so forth but now there's other promotions that you can work that through as well you know we're not stuck with one promotion only now these days and then they're popping up i think also the reebok deal made it a lot easier for the other promotions to attract fighters yeah yeah and also i mean ufc they built up a brand as ufc like you're saying it's so prestigious you want it as a fighter uh, some, say like people that don't know MMA they'll think like they only know UFC that's they think UFC that is MMA yeah like, do you do yeah. UFC you know it's, yeah, it's yeah. the Olympics of uh, of mixed martial arts yeah. Yeah. I mean you went to the UFC yeah I've been a few times before I even came to South Africa and how was that guys. experience yeah well, f- compared to when I went years ago or now let's compare them both yeah like uh, like 10 years ago when I was there compared to now it's much more organized let's say that you know they've got their structures and processes in um for me you cannot uh you cannot duplicate what ufc is doing they're so far ahead of the game when it comes to administration 
and understanding what the fighters need and want and the fight week is so organized that no promotion that i've been to um is on that level yet maybe but is not on that level um you know it's got nothing to do with money or anything it's just they've been doing it so long that they've failed and fixed so many times that there's no more failing and fixing they've kind of got their structure now in terms of a wild oil oiled machine yeah yeah just experience but it's a, it's a longevity so yeah. you were there 10 years ago was yeah. it with which fighters uh, a guy called Pinapona, um or with babalu cup swanson all of those guys okay, yeah. um so that was in vegas uh Pinapona bre- uh, beat frank mia sure. yeah Oof. and how did they come across you or you come across them so I, Oh, uh, I have spoken about the slots. Obviously, I was in the in the US. I had a gym called OC Muay Thai, where I trained uh, average Joe's and professional fighters. One of my main guys was Cup Swanson. Mm-hmm. I trained him for his first seven fights of his career uh, before he fought Joseph Aldo in WEC when I had to come back to South Africa. So my history is there. I trained a lot of guys uh, um, in the US because of because yeah, of my crazy. gym yeah. you still keep in touch with Cub yeah yeah we still I still message him and talk to him a little bit and all of that still got a you know whole group of guys that side um, like Don now went he was obviously with Chris Cyborg, his yeah. main training partner and it was so funny because all of the guys that I used to train bumped into Don Madge and they're all at the RPCA Ruka um, uh, training facility and you know they're all obviously talking about it and talking about me and don would send me pictures of so like awesome. old students and all of that and like one of the main muay thai coaches at at ruka now is his name's uh, uh bryce old uh, muay thai guy uh, his nickname was a body snatcher big muay thai fighter in orange county and now he's the head coach there he used to train with me and it's just yeah it's it's quite cool to, like a big to see almost. Yeah. yeah i mean like it's the same thing that's going to happen now like the generation that i'm training now in 10 years will will carry on there will be bigger names and so forth and so forth and it just carries on like that so you said you were living in the states mm. previously where were you before that uh, malaysia in thailand is that where you were born i was born here i left here when i was like eight nine went to asia that's where i got introduced to muay thai for muay thai was my base fought a lot there understood the sport there so an mma fight in a magazine one day said well this is the ultimate martial arts try to find a brazilian jiu-jitsu guy and uh found one all of a sudden i went to the u.s opened up a gym there trained at gracie bar headquarters was with uh, one of the coral belts who he's got a coral belt now joe moranga um yeah learned from you know all the fighters i was training um because their bases were a lot because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was more dominant that side. But I was still there when MMA was illegal in the state of California. So we would fight in Mexico, Arizona, Las Vegas, um, Palm Springs on Indian land because the Indian lands, yeah, the casinos have different laws. So that's, you know, (laughs) King of the Cage, you know, I still remember watching my first live King of the Cage was Uriah Faber. And now when I went last year to go see and train with Uriah, I told him about it and he immediately told me what shorts he was wearing, the opponent, he could remember everything. I was like, geez, like what the hell is going on? You know, and it's like you step into one of the, you know, warm cub up and I still remember like Rich Franklin there, Rampage Jackson, Tito Teach, all in the changing room. And then you fast forward a few years later and these are like the biggest pioneer names in, in mixed martial arts. So when you knew them or met them, they weren't, these big names yet so so you know they weren't so super shit. super big you know tito ortiz yeah that was my favorite yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then and then you know what's nice is that like oh, obviously i have spoken about this to the, the south african public about it but a lot of people still don't know my that type of history mm. i've been in mixed martial arts basically when it kind of blew up you know because only really blew up from the reality show you know, the you know like five years after 1994 that's and, and you know i was in the 
in the heat of it all. You know, and when the laws changed, when it became legal in the state of California, where now California is the hub for mixed martial arts, you know, I was still in that in that phase where all of that was still happening. What is your MMA record? I know you have one fight. Seven and oh, yeah. I mean, my fighting career to me, I kind of like it's a blank now. I don't really care about my fighting career. I'm not a good athlete. I'm a good person that transfers knowledge i never tell guys like i'm a badass and my fighting <laughs> career was was great and i can still fight no and i'm also a coach that knows my place i don't try to live through my athletes and i don't try to tell the athletes hey you good but hey i'm better <laughs> no this my place is to transfer the knowledge my past i competed but i think my my goal for competing was to understand fighting and to experience it like you touch the fire you know what it feels like if you haven't touched it you can talk a lot about it but you need to touch it yeah. so i think my my fighting was more about touching the fire than actually trying to be a world champion or the best athlete in the world I, I don't think my mind ever i don't remember ever thinking about that stuff my goals were to fight at lumpini not to become lumpini champion not to be a massive name was just to compete in lumpini i did that then my my goal was to compete in mixed martial arts and i did that i never told myself i want to be a ufc champion muay thai champion all of that and the thing only once i jumped into coaching i understood why my brain was processing that so because i believe that this has always been my path transferring knowledge and coaching is actually what i'm supposed to do than actually being an athlete because i even get the guys in the team listen none of us will compete for the next six months we'll just make sure that you can train and then you can compete and i'm like well but that doesn't really tickle my fancy like i don't have an urge to compete let's do that today <laughs> still today <laughs> i have guys like boyd allen that's on me all the time about that type of stuff you know um yeah and even the general guys in in my club are, are on me but also i think i'm a, a like obsessive person so if i compete i need to compete i i don't want to know about helping people transferring knowledge that i want to focus on competing so i think there's a fine line maybe something i need to learn to balance you know competing in jiu-jitsu might be a, a thing next year that i'll do but it's not like i want to compete to become like the best jiu-jitsu guy in the world it's more like okay well maybe i can become a better coach by competing at the world champions you know that type of stuff or become a better coach in quite uh, inverted commas, I think, oh. by having a fight in EFC, another one, and say, <laughs> yeah. you can add me to the list. Yeah. <laughs> Is there footage of your first fight in EFC? In EFC, yes. Yeah, yeah. I've got it on my phone. Yeah. Please, Rich. How long have you been too. Yeah, I've got it. I got it on my phone. And that was your last fight, eh? That was my last fight. And when you came over to South Africa from the you came over from the States, mm. did you know you were going to open a gym and that was the plan? I knew, yeah. I knew, like, so when I was 18, I got thrown into coaching because I'll train and then guys will like ask me, hey, can you help me with the X, Y, Z? And then I'll, that kind of just started. Then a guy said, listen, there's a gym here. Come and like take over it and teach Muay Thai and your systems and all of that. That's how I kind of fell into it. But then I enjoyed it more than competing. Mm. Yeah. So when I, when, when I had to come back to South Africa, I knew, okay, well, I want to open up a gym and when I landed here and realized how bad martial arts is in this country, uh, how bad the understanding of martial arts in this country, it was actually pretty easy to then just open up a place and start teaching where everyone flocked because there was nothing here back then. Even now, it's not, yeah. you know, it's the roots are not <coughs> super deep. Um, so, so when, yeah. When was that when you came over and started with them? It's like 2007 or six, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think somewhere around there I came back. Yeah, and I was still young, you know, I was 21. Um, I co started coaching when I was 18. And then kind of just started coaching out, out of a gym, out of a Taekwondo gym. And then... Where was that Taekwondo gym? In Ravonia, across the road from the Grand. <laughs> Neil, Neil, Neil Franks. Neil Franks. Yeah, yeah. I went there once. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Cool. 
And that's kind of where everything blossomed, you know, Fighters Only magazine, EFC, uh, all the old school fighters, you know, Chet Mayer, Darren Daniels, you know, all of those guys. Um, and everything blossomed from there and kind of moved into the bigger facility where, where we are now in 2008. And how did you come across Chef? He's a stu- student. Yeah, he was working at Southern Sun Santon here and he came through, he just arrived from London or France, I can't remember. And he just wanted to train and he trained for about two years, I think, before he said, hey, I want to kind of do this full time. I don't want to be a chef anymore and I want to be involved in this martial arts. Sure. And he made the decision to quit his job and we just carried on. Yeah. And Darren Daniels, hmm. also. Before you opened up uh, FFM, was he already fighting in the scene? Yeah, my f- the first gym's name was Fight Factory. And um, Darren came over to me in the early days. You know, I think um, a guy named Richard Brown, who's, I think it was Richard Brown, Simon Webb, they brought him. So these are like the original guys that were with me. You know, part of Cairo and Graham and all of them. And um, yeah, he came through, he was... Uh, saying uh, Chinese kickboxing and that's what he was into in Muay Thai and then yeah we kind of just clicked in yeah. and I've got to ask you could be a bit personal but your favorite discipline now yeah <laughs> now my I think now that I'm older and been in the industry and tra- traveled and trained everything any contact martial arts so any grappling art for me is the ultimate uh to me it's all the same like wrestling judo sambo brazilian jiu-jitsu greco any type of contact uh, martial art that's for me the the ultimate yeah and do you find uh, personally that wrestlers are more dominant in mma uh no okay <laughs> a lot of guys will argue with this <laughs> yeah. type of stuff um so everything goes in phases and um, remember, uh, mixed martial arts was only born to the public and media in ni- 1994. But before then, it was in Brazil for years, years and years. And then for t- about 10 years, there was a massive war going on in Brazil with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Veletudo, which is more like the Muay Thai with a little bit of ground. And that's what they're fighting about reputation. Um, when 1994 hit, Obviously, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu took over. Why? It's because of knowledge, and that's all it is. We, the people didn't have knowledge of submission fighting. So when guys hit to the ground, they didn't know what a choke was, an armbar, a leg lock was. They didn't know what guard was, a mount was, any of that. So to fight someone that is uneducated in grappling is pretty easy to dominate and beat them. Yeah. Okay. Everyone knows boxing. Boxing has a long history in every single country. But grappling arts are Japan, Russia, Greece. You know, those are the wrestling, the judo, the sambo, the jiu-jitsu countries. They know a little bit. But you, the U.S. had more of the American guys and one Brazilian who took the whole competition. Fast forward to maybe UFC 50. People, people, kind, people kind of, kind of started start to understand what Brazilian jiu-jitsu was. And training it, understanding it. Then you got the wrestlers. You gave them a little bit of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with a wrestling base. What they did was take you down, lock you down. They couldn't get submitted because their knowledge on submission defense was good now. So they would sit there and hit you and win on points. Why now have they changed the point structure? Be- because of that. Yes. So fights would be, I'll take you down, I'll lock you down, I'll win the fight. So that's, that's clever, it's using, you always have to know the rules and use the rules to win. But at the end of the day, you're trying to, because the sport's so, so young, you're trying to evolve the sport and the rules weren't evolving with the sport. So now, even if you get the takedown, you don't really get much of the points. Mm-hmm. The guy on the bottom now can attack and win the fight. That's why they've changed the rules now. So fast forward maybe one, UFC 150 around there. 
You get Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Champions coming in, Damien Maia. You get uh, Jacare. Um, now, recently, Bruno Macafesh. These guys now, Rodolfo Vieira, are big names in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Gi sport world. They come in and they absolutely dominate the guys. Why? They are not scared to go to the ground because they are top level there. So they can bite down on their gum guard, throw the biggest overhands in the world. If it touches you, you go to sleep. If it doesn't, they make contact and put you on the ground. Fast forward again now to now time. We have a guy, you know, it's fights coming up now. That's all I use him as an example. Khabib. You know, um, people think he's a, he's a wrestler. He's not. He's a combat sambo fighter. Mm-hmm. Combat sambo is basically MMA. It has a gi. It's jiu-jitsu as well, you know. So he, that is the ultimate, you know. And you look at his style. He throws big bombs. He makes connection and he sticks on you like a tick. <laughs> if a submission opens up, he takes it. So you you now have to understand that mixed martial arts has become a martial art on its own. You can't go, is this dominant? We are past that era. That era is the old era. That's the old way of thinking. But if you go to countries that don't have a long history of mixed martial arts, say for instance, you go to go to India, they will still ask these questions is, is Muay Thai better? Is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu better? Is wrestling better? Where the more educated countries like Europe, like South America, like America, have seen the sport evolve and understand now that you have to have a balance of everything. Now, saying that, you can have a top Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fighter or a top wrestling f- fighter still win any fight because it's, it's your style. You have to know how to use your style to defeat the opponent. You know, you've got to take your ego out. If you're going to fight a, a, a good stand-up guy and stand with him, his percentage has increased as yours has decreased. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like a, I don't want to be ugly, but uneducated view of, of martial arts right now because we have evolved into a different era. That's an old era. You know, uh, ha- having ju- we can talk about how many top wrestlers have come into the sport and lost and won. We can talk about how many jiu-jitsu guys have come in t- and won and lost, same as the strikers. But for me, contact sports, grappling sports, which is wrestling, jiu-jitsu, sambo, judo, those are, are your base, in my view, not striking. Because you get a guy like, um, we've had quite a few uh, 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 top-class boxers come into the UFC, and absolutely get destroyed. Mm-hmm. The most famous one was with Randy Couture, the Black <laughs> Rhino. <laughs> that was a natural joke. Okay. What's his name again? The boxer. Uh, Bla- they called him the Black Rhino. I can't remember. Tony Sun. Yeah. Yes. T- yes. Yeah. yeah. Now we've so got world class grapplers, wrestlers, judokos, and gra- uh, and jujitsu guys come into the UFC and absolutely dominate and become champion or the top 10 in, in the world. That tells you already what art is better, in my view. Yeah. You're not wrong. Even look at Woodley. Like, I think Tyron Woodley is a good example because yeah. he's got both bases, but he's wrestling against Damien Ma. Couldn't get him down. Where his yeah. defense was just too good and then Ma had no, no yeah. other answer. Uh, and that comes from, uh, that come for me, comes from uh, um, being comfortable. You know, he went seven seven fights undefeated using the same thing, same single leg on every opponent, same sequences to half guard, then to mount, then to the back, exact from fight one to seven, okay? But not thinking that if this sequence doesn't work, now what mm-hmm. do I do? And, and Moodley was the only one that knew that Maya could only shoot a single. If he doesn't connect the single, he's got nothing. Yeah. And that's all he did. He just stopped the single and he knew that his striking was better, kept a good distance and picked him apart the whole fight. Yeah. Didn't make any uh, human errors. But I mean, does it not annoy you then you get majority of the, the public and media out there that say Woodley's boring or whatever that case when he's actually doing like he's what he's meant to be yeah, doing? Yeah, this is the thing is that like, like recently I've got very angry with, with fans, especially in South Africa, of recent fights that just happened last week but like fans are going to be fans you know uh, at the end of the day this is our job 
our job if we don't if we don't uh, win we don't put food on our table for our families and yes we're in the entertainment business but people still realize got to realize that a win is a win for us how we win doesn't matter at the end of the day we've got to have our hand raised because that puts a paycheck on the table and for some people they don't realize that they just this is entertainment this is what we want and that's just society that's human human society you're not going to change that so i i do get i do get very frustrated with 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 fans sometimes but sometimes i got to tell myself listen then they fans they're not in the industry they don't know they're not fighters no. a lot of them just want to see stand-up wars there was one ufc we were watching and when they were on the ground remember they were applauding the crowd it was oh, the first yeah. time we ever we were like what that's amazing was it in london by any chance it was one london of the european cards i think yeah yeah that you guys were on the ground just and it was great like great fantastic. ground battle and everyone was applauding which was amazing. and that's what the, the 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 spread and education of of brazilian jiu-jitsu becoming so popular brazilian jiu-jitsu for me now is the new mcdonald's it's on every single corner you know and it's yeah. becoming super popular so people are now educated on what's actually going on you know get the single leg double leg the guys are now like their sweeps they're fighting for certain uh, submissions guys get excited about this you've got like ebi coming up you've got paharis uh, 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 events coming up and and these events now being shown on ufc fight pass and there's a reason why ufc now has has, has adopted these grappling yeah. uh, um, events because they can see the growth and how big it's going to become it educates as well even in the far fast yeah. you've got access to it you can yeah. like ebi i think is awesome yeah what's his name from uh, the death squad he just went and he fought an mma fight uh gary tony yeah tony yeah, and one one fc and he won with his hands which is yeah. unbelievable yeah. but even in south africa i've noticed a lot of jiu-jitsu competitions keep popping up all the time yeah so i'm a president of one of the one of the organizations and uh we, you know we tr- we need to build these the sports these competitions uh competition is healthy for it's the only thing that's going to make our athletes better 100%. and the thing is our, our martial arts uh uh presence in south africa is is very bad and very young we don't have enough of it and um we need the competition to make our general community of martial arts better as well as if you want to make professional athletes better you know and for for me brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling comps boxing matches sambo fights uh muay thai fights all of these you know they need to explode in the country where there's multiple events going on every week you know and that's going to give you the experience and the confidence of what uh educated violence is because it doesn't matter what you, you you're competing in at the end of the day if you're going to do martial arts you need to do it all yeah. so yeah. If, if you start at a young age competing in all of these arts you're going to have a massive a big base when you hit that age where you you say okay now i want to compete in mixed martial arts i mean that's what we've always discussed the new generation the youngsters that are coming up yeah. you can take jp for for example bk for example they all rounded not you know it's just no so <laughs> when, when bk Iga cabeza jp base um when they came to my gym they could only shoot a double leg and a high dive my system has turned them into who they are today uh, i still remember Iga fighting in durban um, against one of the durban guys and it was the first time he's ever dropped anyone and he he actually got a fright. He was like, uh, uh, what? And we were like, get on, get. And he jumped on the guy. And then after the fight, he was like, Rich, that's the first time I've ever dropped anyone. And I was like, yeah, well, that's what training does. That's my job. If you're not improving, then you know, uh, JP is the same thing. When you saw him fight against Abdul Hassan, you know, uh, Abdul thought I was just a wrestler, and all of a sudden he's getting head kicked. You know, uh, you look at uh, BK. Not his last fight, but his fight with the Brazilian. He dropped the guy three or four times. You know, these are guys that have just come in and could only shoot a double leg. You know, um, proper educated coaching, which we don't have in this country, and we don't have a lot in a lot of places, makes fighters improve. And you see improvement in 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 hostile environments like fights. But why do you think there's not a lot of this coaching going on? Because our martial arts has been dead in this country. No, there's not enough. There's like, if you look at America, the teams, they're all professionals fighting in the UFC, fighting in Bellator, fighting in one 
and they spar together and they just learn off each other where no no wrong okay. no. <laughs> so we've got to go down to grassroots you know um the amateur scenes overseas are ginormous so mark my words the next trend you're going to see is the russian fighters taking over they're going to be the new brazilians they've been sitting there waiting for years and their key in is khabib once he comes in you're going to see a dra dramatic uprising of russian fighters flood ufc and the rest of the organizations their amateur scene just like thailand with their muay thai is impeccable uh, for instance, Khabib has had 300 amateur fights before he even went pro. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> to, to do something like that, you know, he, he, uh, I watched a podcast where he actually laughed at the Americans going, you Americans are so fragile. You have 10 fights. Now you think you're pro because you want to chase the money. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know and, and, and that's the thing in South Africa. Uh, that's just with the athletes, but it's not the athletes fault, you know, because for instance, I've had to turn my amateurs pro after seven fights. Why? I can't get fights in three years. Huh. Guys don't want to fight them. Chad was one of them. JP was one of them. BK was one of them. I mean, in terms of amateur titles, I think I've had every single one out there multiple times just because there's not enough, you know. Having one amateur fight a month, what, that's 12 fights a year? If you fight every month, it's, it's, it's stupid, you know. And... It doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a one-day thing in and out, you know, like combat samba, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitions, like wrestling. You know, and that's why the wrestlers do so well, because they rock up on a, on a wrestling day. They wrestle every two weeks. They have five or six fights. You know? sure. In terms of the coaching, it's just knowledge and education. You know, it's, a lot of them don't travel. They don't study. They're not students of the game. Uh, they obsess about maybe one art, and they, or they live through their fighters. You know, a lot of these things, um, they don't look at martial arts as uh, a subject. They don't look at martial, uh, martial arts as a business. They see martial arts, well, let me look at YouTube, what's a new trend? Okay, today we'll do X, Y, Z. You know, they're not going, okay, what is my syllabus? What is my structure? You know, what is my system to teach fighters? My system of wrestling, my system of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, my system of stand-up. And... That is, the, for me, the biggest problem, you know, and uh, I, I see it every single day, especially in this country. I'm not even, I'm not, not putting down only here. I've been to some of the best uh, uh, gyms in the world, and it's the same thing. There's no structure. Um, when you go to university, you get to a degree. You don't walk into class and the professor's going, well, today, let me think, we'll do this. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've got a syllabus to teach you because at the end of the year, you've got to write an exam that's my approach to martial arts is that uh, all my guys e every day are basically being on in a syllabus and they understand that they have to improve one percent a day and fix the problem now if there's a problem fix it don't think that oh sparring every day is going to fix the problem or rolling 10 hours a day is going to fix the problem no fix the problem the technique needs to be fixed and then implemented into a live training and a lot of people just don't understand that. And like I said, that's not just here. And then guys go, well, then why does that gym overseas do so well? Well, it does well because if you have 100 MMA athletes on the mat <laughs> and they're all trying to fight each other, you're going to get to a certain level. And then that level stops and you see it. Some gyms can only get an athlete to, to a certain point and then those athletes don't grow anymore perfect example not putting them down american top team they've never created any champion from ground level to ufc champion mm. all their champions have entered that facility and that facility is a world-class facility because it has everything it offers everything but you look at the program of gyms look at a gym that has actually created a ground level athlete to a top level athlete i can guarantee you can't see that you look at a guy like Dimitri Johnson. Where does he train? Do you even know the gym that he trains at? Nice. No, it's a bloody nobody gym. But they created him from ground level to literally the most powerful, pound successful mixed martial arts fighter that has ever walked this planet. Yeah. But he doesn't get the credit for it, nor does his gym. Is his coach's name again? I don't know his head coach, no. 
And that's what I mean. Uh, does he have uh, 50 UFC athletes that he's sparring with every day? No, he's got a small little team. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? That tells me that his head coach has a system and a program and a good approach yeah. to teaching, coaching, and developing a fighter. It's easy. Give me 50 EFC, uh, or UFC athletes, EFC athletes. It's easy to maintain the, the standard because you have to survive on the mat with, those, with that skill set. Yeah. But give me 50 nobodies and develop them into a champion. Now that's real work. Mm. So now I've been talking about that. You've got JP coming through BK. Um, can you, are there like younger guys, 16 or 17 that are training at FFM? So this is my biggest problem now with, within South Africa and uh, guys can argue with me with this, but we don't have a next generation. I had my first generation, which was uh, Chef, Darren, even Martin, Chet, so forth and so forth. My second generation now, you know, the boys, the Chads, the JPs, the Eagers, the BKs, and all the other guys. Obviously, there's many. I'm leaving out a lot, of, but you guys can understand what I'm saying. Third generation, there's nobody because our amateur scene is dead. You know, and the amateur guys go, oh, you know, the amateur scene isn't dead. Well, guys are carrying on fighting each other, or they'll fight nobodies you know guys that are not even training they just want to get in the cage but in reality you're not seeing like a 16 year old a 70 year old that's going i want to train i want to get into competitions and that type because they don't there's no desire there's no desire for it there's not not enough also competitions for it now brazilian jiu-jitsu getting beat in this in this country because of the desire for competitions the amount of competitions are coming out guys going oh i can compete and I can compete quite a bit. Yeah. You know, there's that desire now. So for me on my side, I don't have a third generation. My second generation is my last generation, unless it changes in a, in a few years. But right now, I've got my second generation, and my second gener- I've learned from my first generation what to improve for my second generation. And these are the guys that are going overseas at a very young age, you know, entering different organizations. I've had 11... Uh, sorry, 13 EFC champions. Like, what more must I do? Yeah. No, I don't think there's a gym out there that's even had five. I've had 13. I've created 13 champions. So, like, what more must I do in this country, uh, you know, to to grow? Yeah. You know, so my, my second generation now need to step over the waters and slowly build it, you know, because the biggest problem with, 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 with South African athletes is that... Um, we're not defining our country. We're not defining our in our comfort zone. Skill set is getting developed. Guys are getting good. We have great guys out there. But now traveling, cutting, rehydrating, and performing is a whole new animal. You know, fighting in someone else's home soil is a whole new animal. That process of traveling is a whole new animal that you as an athlete now need to do. Perfect example of this. And, you know, that's why I want EFC to go overseas and, 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 and hold prom- uh, fights in different countries. So as us as South African athletes, we can learn this. Danny Henry came here. He fought one of the Burskis. And that fight, if you look at it now, it was like an amateur fight. He looked horrible. But I think that was his first time he's ever crossed the waters, really. Then fast forward three, four fights after that. And he looked absolutely amazing. Now he's because he, he had three, four fights to understand his process of traveling, cutting, hydrating, and performing, and know what he needs to do, what he doesn't need to do, what works, what doesn't work. Now my biggest mistake I did with Gareth McClellan was build him up. Never fought an international, never traveled overseas and fight, and then put him into the biggest promotion in the world. Yeah. And that's what happened. You know the yeah. story is already right, but. That's something I learned. Now, now I'm do, doing it differently with my second mm-hmm. generation. It's trial and error. Or I, I, I don't have a coach. I don't have someone to mentor me. 
and I wish I did. I tell my jujitsu guys all the time, I wish I had someone uh, that I could share things with. I'm basically a self-taught martial artist in terms of, well, no one's ever self-taught, but I learn from a whole lot of people that I don't have a direct <coughs> contact with. You know, and I've created the Coach Quan system that has developed all of these people and individuals and developed the mixed martial arts system that I have now and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu system and wrestling system that I have now that has won all these bouts, taken, become the first gym to have a UFC fighter that has won in the UFC straight out of the South Africa. The, now, now I'm on my third guy, you know what I mean? Uh, but that's from me just being obsessive about mixed martial arts and martial arts and also not having ego, mm -hmm. you know? What am I doing right and what am I doing wrong? Suck it up. Take factual criticism right. Don't get angry with it. Put your ego aside and know what you need to do. And I've had to learn that from the age of 18 until now. Now, I feel that I have an understanding and a system. And yes, it improves every month. But it, it took 10 years. And like in terms of um, younger guys coming up, specifically in the EFC, can you see any future champions? Um, yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got, um, we've got some really good talent out there. The problems are with the wrong people. They're with people that are living through that athlete with coaches that pretend that they know what they're doing and will bring the fighter down um, but we in South Africa we have athletes we we are a nation of sport in reality um, we're not a nation of supporting our sportsmen uh -huh. but we we have a nation of sportsmen and yeah I mean obviously th there's there's tons of guys out there that have a lot of potential tons of potential even in the amateur scene but it's up to them to make the decision and to be educated enough to understand what they need to do to put themselves in the best position to acknowledge the, 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 the knowledge they need to become a champion and to become an EFC champion or to become a UFC champion. What is, what is your goal, you know? Can't the EFC like take care of the amateur circuit or is it just too much? I've been talking about it for a long time, like EFC should have an amateur, uh, a big amateur scene that they run that is like every two weeks yeah. that could have a ticket to your contract. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that would be a huge thing or, or not even EFC, just someone that needs to run amateurs every two weeks and not try and make money out of it. You know, guys want to make 100K out of an amateur event, you know? Like, I, I, for me, I don't understand this. It starts out small, and then they start like, hey, this is, this is good. It comes them and their wallets instead of And the then it becomes yeah. about, you know, the cash, and then they want to compete against EFC. Then they want to do this, and then, it's just like, we need a massive amateur scene that is amateur, yeah. that is not professional, dedicated. dedicated to amateurs and building amateurs. If we have an amateur, that can build himself 40 fights. Can you imagine the processes he has learned in 40 fights, mm -hmm. obviously with the right people around him? That's where you create proper, a proper athlete. That's where you create guys that will destroy people you know, anywhere in the world. You know? And that's what the Russians have done. That's what the Americans have done. And in Muay Thai, that's what the Thais have done. You know? It's no secret to it. Those records in Muay Thai are crazy. Cool. It, it's funny. Those records in Muay Thai are crazy. Go look at the records for Samba. Combat Samba. Are they... The same? Uh, 150 fights? 300 yes. fights? 200 fights? Easy. And <laughs> in reality, Combat Samba is MMA with, with a, a gi on. That's it. You can kick. Exactly. You can headbutt. You can leg lock. You can double leg. You can judo throw. You can ground and pound. That's why I say, watch the next era that's coming up now. Russian. The Russians are gonna. So you know the Brazilians, Ooh, Brazil, all the champions, Brazilian Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, Chris Cyborg, you know. But now, how many Brazilian champions do they have? Not a lot. Very true. Very true. And what happened? The Europeans came through, because the Europeans they have a working culture. They work hard. They train hard, and a little bit more knowledge. Mm. But now the new era is going to be the. Russians. 
and believe me that area is going to stay for a long 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 time but anything like a bit of them. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think that's what is Zabit something something is fighting. Yeah, so Z- Zabit is part of the Dagestan fight team. He's not directly involved with, with with Khabib, but obviously they all work together. They will have the same management. But there's like 28 Dagestan fighters from from uh, Khabib's crew. Uh, that are in the UFC yeah. already, and they're just like little mines. They they there, but no one knows that they're there, and they just they're just chopping away. They're killing guys. Yeah. So I think when it was a card, I mean, it was in Russia or where it was. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't in Russia. It was in Europe somewhere. But there was a heavyweight Russian as well. I think that fought. Mm. Also, we're just yeah. scary. You may have lost much sure I remember. Mm. Yeah. So is there any form of sambo training in this country? No, so, uh, I mean, so it was quite funny. Uh, Chad Hanakorp, Superman, was supposed to go um, as an amateur. We were looking for fights because no one wanted to fight him. And uh, some guy called him for combat sambo or championships. And we were ready and we were going to go over to Russia and compete. And he tore his ACL a week before. Um, so I know there's someone here like involved, but just like anything in South Africa, it's like minute and no one knows what's going on and that type of stuff. But I'm just using combat sambo as an example. It's about comp- competing in competition. Yeah. That that's basically what it is. In any form. Right? In any form. Yeah. yeah. So in the next step, like you said, is to get a proper amateur circuit. Yeah, like we got good amateurs, and we got a good amateur scene, like fight stars and that type of stuff. But it needs to be more. It's consistent. It needs it to be consistent. It needs to not be so big. Amateurs walking out to fight star uh, songs and having fight banners with sponsors. Like, oh, just, just get in there and fight. fight and get the experience. Like, want to oh, sponsor this money, this. Uh, and it's just like, listen, bro. Look at the big picture. No. The money and that will come. That will come. You're not a superstar. Stop acting like you're a superstar right now. You're an amateur. Chill. Just chill. You know, get the experience. An, they're not a, they mustn't be big promotion like EFC. It needs to be amateur. Amateur is amateur. Do you know what I'm saying? Cage, warm up rooms. Done. 20 guys, 30 guys, every two weeks. Like you should have media there. Media there, just so that, like, it's also nice for people to sort of yeah, build have, up on the new can guys. Have, that can are have through. media, 100%, but I would say like, uh, you know, written media. It doesn't have to be like set up. Uh, for internet and, no, and, just like and all of sitting yeah. down watching the up and coming scene what's it. coming. You can write through. an article about yeah. it, that type of stuff. But you know, you need guys to to get get the con and I can see it in my guys, you know. I can see it in the first generation, second generation. Second generation had more com- competition in their amateur career than the first generation. Sure. And you can see it. Yeah. But do you also feel the whole mindset over um becoming the superstar and getting paid big money is, a, is an issue listen when when you as you get older life grabs you you create families and you have responsibilities and those responsibilities then take over your life and putting food on the table becomes a massive thing yeah. um, when you have paid your dues <coughs> in the sport and when you have built yourself up a name, you are then supposed to get paid. Yes, 110%. Um, that is a definite. Um, so fighting for a paycheck, in reality, it should be there. It's one of the main things, but it mustn't consume you. And you need to understand why you chose this career in the first place and keep focused on why you, what was the first reason you wanted to fight? Because the fame, the girls, the parties, and the money can consume you and turn you into someone else. And I've seen it many times with my guys, other guys. All of those things can change an individual dramatically and instantly. But that's why I try and keep the guys focused on why they're actually fighting. Understanding that I understand that you are growing up and you have responsibilities. But I never tell guys to fight for money. I never tell guys that they must be training only. They must have their lives in order. They must have, um, they must be responsible with their finances and understand that they, if a sponsor doesn't sponsor them, it doesn't matter. A sponsor is a bonus. Mm-hmm. You should have everything sorted out already, be it your own business, be it whatever it is. There's so many things out there. And that's why I created the first not a full-time uh but 
not a 9 to 5 MMA athlete. You know, they're in the gym, I provide them uh, a job or help them develop another job that they can train at least two or three times a day, that they're not in an office 9 yeah. to 5. We are on the hardest country to become an athlete, including MMA athlete. You've got the States and you've got the, the Europe, where we've seen it many times going over there and people coming here. Um, you go over there, you can be a bartender two nights a week. In one week, you can pay all your expenses, your house, your car, and food on your table. Hmm. Of two days a week as a bartender, the rest of the time you train. You know, in this yes, country, crazy. because of cheap labor, and because of our governmental uh, circumstances, no one can do that. Yeah. No one can do that. We, we as South Africans have to have a nine to five job or we can't survive. Yeah. Like guys over there survive as being a waitress. It's an actual job yeah. that you can live on and live a life that you want to do. Or you can have two, three different jobs, you know. Here, no, the child working two days as a waiter here. Exactly. Two days a week. So we yeah. are, and I tell my boys, we, you guys are literally in the worst case scenario of being a mixed martial art athlete and look where you are. So pat yourself on the back. You understand what I mean? You know, we've had, I've seen many other guys come here. I'm like, what do you do? No, I'm a waiter. What do you mean you're a waiter? No, I work two days a week. First week, I've paid off all my expenses already. Yeah. And what do you do? I'm a professional fighter, I train. How many guys in the UFC still have permanent jobs? Zero. No, tons. Oh, really? Yeah. Guy that's fighting Khabib yeah, now has a permanent job. Quinta, he's oh, yeah. a real estate agent. Yeah. Even old Jermaine Sterling. But in those countries, you can, you can afford to do that. They can do that. You know, then guys go, well, Rich, why don't you try like make a, 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 a fight, a fight uh, training, you know, in those hours? For me, it's like I'm an obsessive person, and we were behind the scene ten years plus. So I was very strict on all of that type of stuff to catch up to where we are now. And I believe we are past these guys now. And it's just about more experience and understanding where we are. You know, I believe the rest of the world has a much easier time of being an MMA athlete. They have UFCs in their country all the time. They have amateur, good amateur scenes. They have a country that will provide them sometimes. You know, you have the International Amateur Association, IMAF, that is massive now. Uh, international uh, uh, amateurs can win an IMAF uh, world title in Vegas or, or in the UAE. And a big promotion like Invictus or Brave will sign them straight away. Sure. You know what I mean? Like we, that was never around back in the day. You know, but like it's, it, for me it's, it's easy for for non-South Africans, for Europeans and Americans now to become MMA athletes or a, or, or sporting athletes, and that's why they they have great sportsmen, you know, because it's provided, it's easily available, and that's why we're not going to see it here. <laughs> I didn't realize all of this. I guess this is being an unbelievable chat. Jeez, <laughs> holy shit! Yeah. So then, what do you think? Personally, how could we fix everything up? Or not the nine to five situation. That's yeah. a whole other story. But just like well, I don't think because I mean, the government needs to play a big part in that. Yeah, in the look, we, we can we can like the nine to five. You know, creating proper fight structures around nine to fives. We can do that hundred percent. And I'm looking at actually trying to do that right now. Um, providing better education to coaches. You know, I'm creating the Coach Quan coaching program, which actually teaches people how to be coaches. Who the hell decided you to be a coach? How did you learn to be a coach? I don't know anyone that was like, oh, well, this guy taught me how to be a coach, you know? So now I've created a program that teaches people to be proper coaches and how to be a better coach. Um, so that I think will help a lot. The next thing is I'm interested like we spoke about. If we can fix that, that will, that will play a big role. Next thing is getting our guys overseas to fight at any show available using you know fighting here in south africa the best promotion in my view efc and fighting overseas is going to give you that uh, knowledge and experience to deal with then competing on big stages 
you know mm-hmm. and for instance i said this in one of my fighters only magazines you've seen it on on the wall in the gym where i said there's going to be a time where international is going to come to south africa and the south africans are going to have to fight for their jobs well guess what's happening Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> guess what's happening you know and uh, yeah i mean it can all be fixed and we there i mean i know like i said i, I get very angry with with fans, especially in South Africa, because very finical, you know, uh, look at the rugby team, you lose one, you win one, and everyone hates each other. MMA is the same thing, like, we've beaten so many internationals, it's unbelievable. Martin Van Staden just beat a 9-0, and huge prospect, Congrats on that, you know, knocked him out. Okay, Boyd Allen loses one fight, he's actually 16-4, and four. that's his record, Six put 16-4. and four. He loses one fight. Ah, shit, no, we're not ready. Like, what? What what about BK just beating a top prospect two times in a row? Like, all the internationals. Look at Drikus. How many internationals has he beaten? He's now fighting in Poland. Like, where are we as fans? Where's our thoughts? Eager beat Danny Henry. Now Danny's gone to the UFC and just... Eager beat Peter Queeley first. People forget about that. You know, when he was with me, no, and I'm, I'm still uh, talk to Iga, uh, you know, and um, you know his last fight, I, I, I supported him as much as I can and, and cornered for him as well. You know, I always support him. And the thing is, he beat Peter Queeley, who fought for Global Fight Night title uh, on a decision now, a draw, and he will fight for the Fight Night Global again. He beat Danny Henry, who's 2-0 in the UFC. Where the hell are the fans going, well, hey, we are doing pretty well. No, we lose one fight and it's negative, negative, it's useless. This, that mindset of almost like let a fighter go to the UFC. It has to be the UFC or else I'm not going to watch because that's all I know. And if they lose in UFC, then it's like, well, we can't really measure up to them. Believe me now, there's some fighters on these Russian promotions that will destroy yeah, I'm sure. the top yeah. five in the UFC. <laughs> And, and and this is the thing it's like do do they know who boyd fought do they know no that one no one wanted to fight that guy we took that fight on two week notice do they know that boyd had a stomach bug do they know what was going on in his life do they understand yes there's a lot of things that we got to fix oh the guy's wrestling was amazing well to my knowledge when was boyd a wrestler <laughs> <laughs> you, you understand what i mean um first international fight in a foreign country up against the 10,000 people yeah. walking out to the in the headlights like there's so many I'm not creating an excuse for anything I'm, I love critical facts yeah. criticize me with facts yeah. but don't criticize people because of your emotions and because you think now you're an MMA expert and you have a little bit of a dop at the bar with the boys <laughs> and then you guys know everything like that that to me really gets under my skin yeah. you know and one thing i see with like mm, the chechens and the dagestanis they are so passionate about their people and their sportsmen that they doesn't matter what happens they're behind it and when i went to moscow now i saw that it was unbelievable and sometimes i just look at south africa and i say why can't we be like that yes we have a history 100 percent, but why can't we start being like that you know drukas is going overseas now why isn't there a bigger presence of it when when don Mad just is our you know our third ufc athlete fourth ufc athlete why isn't there a massive presence about that why why aren't people talking about that why isn't the government involved why aren't uh, other gyms and fans supporting this this the structure you know and that for me really makes me angry sure, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's the same thing we've got jp base fighting now he's fighting for his second title and he was the, f- the youngest EFC champion. Um, but he's also, people forget, the youngest ever African to have ever competed in the UFC. The Fight Night Contender yeah. is a UFC promotion. Yeah. So he currently fought for the UFC. But when that happened, no one ever spoke about that. All they care about, hey, you lost, eh? Okay, I'm 20. What were you doing <laughs> when you were 20? Exactly. Fucking exactly. running trees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so 
No, it's, it's just a like lack of experience. Like a lack can, of knowledge. But also, that's what, that what education. It sort of boils down to. You yeah. can take a guy who's trained a bit of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or trained some form of martial art. You will sit in an arena, watch guys go to the ground, and enjoy that. Yeah. Where you get someone who's never actually stepped foot in a gym, goes there. I'm not saying they're bad people, but just. They go there and they want to see guys stand and bang. We'll go watch the EFC with our mates who aren't like... Yeah, I mean, that's education for fans. But for me, it's also like knowing guys that are in the industry. I know there was a guy that that was at Brave at at Chad's uh, uh, fight. And Chad fought a war against a three-time Sambo world champion, part of Khabib's crew, directly, directly part of Khabib's crew. That guy didn't take Chad down once, except in the third round when I told Chad to jump for the guillotine, he got the takedown. Okay. That fight was so close, but that guy is linked to the Sheikh, who is was one of the judges. Mm. <laughs> okay, he's part of their team. He's their boy. And then I hear these South African guys that were at the event that came back and said, "Oh, Chad's rubbish." And it's like, are you South African, or are you Russian, or, or what's going on? You're, like, you're just yeah. sour grapes. That's yeah. basically what you are. You know, he's one of the youngest guys in our industry that has uh, had five fights and two of them been international. Mm-hmm. And one of them, is he destroyed the guy in California. Yeah, but give, give criticism facts. Facts, not emotional shit, you know. Back your South African. Now, Drickis is going over. I hope Drickis destroys that guy. Gets signed by the UFC. Gets in the UFC and imagine Don and Drickus on the same card and absolutely destroy yeah, them. Why? Oh. Why can't we just yeah. look at it as a bigger picture? You know, because yeah. the countries are, that are doing it right are doing that. But here, it's all about ego, about whose dick is bigger, yeah. who's better. That guy doesn't know anything. Man, I'm so over that. When you get to five EFC bouts, come talk to me. Yeah. Until then, I don't give a shit. You think you better? Great, buddy. Show me. Yeah. Develop the guys. Yeah. Do this. Do that. You know. You developed one guy. Whoopie do. You know. I, I don't care. I don't care if you who's the best. Yeah. I care about developing the athletes that are going to do well overseas. Because that's what's going to put South Africa on the map. Yeah. Mm. Talking about Don. Um, has he signed a fight yet? He hasn't signed, eh? I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but he has. Cool. We can keep it there. Yeah. Until yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I can't say that's up. That's uh, uh, up to Don. Cool. Um, he he hasn't signed, but we kind of know when we're fighting and who we're fighting. It just has to be pen on paper, which we're just waiting for. So it's a process, like everything yeah. else. And yeah, so he's currently in training camp. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. I mean, Rich, just everything we've spoken about today. Obviously, it's opened up my eyes also to a lot of things. If you keep continuing doing what you're doing with your athletes and with just the general MMA scene in this country, I've got no doubt it will take off very quickly. Yeah. To bigger hearts, honestly. I'm burning out. So like, there's some, there's (laughs) some, some times that I'm just like, I'm done, I want to go overseas and be in a country where people appreciate people doing things and all of that. But you know, I've got my boys here. I've got my second generation um and that's for mixed martial arts now i want to do what i did with mixed martial arts with brazilian jiu-jitsu i want to create the first black belt world champion um the first black belt pan ams that is born bred trained in south africa not south african in america that's lived there for 10 years calls himself south african no yeah just like i did with gareth just like i did with jp with don and with many other guys who are going to come through the through the rankings you know it's not only about ufc i want to fight my global belt i want a brave belt you know all of that but i'm going to do that with brazilian jiu-jitsu now you know i'm building that team i've got marky mark who people might know him from efc he's an absolute beast guys don't want to fight him guaranteed and if anyone does please contact Graham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. do you remember the fight with him and gordon Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, course, landed course. That, and he yeah, just smiled, and yeah. just smiled. <laughs> but he for me he's one of my proteges in the bjj team and he's going to uh, abu dhabi grand slam now so hopefully he'll get a, a a a gold but you know i want him to be a black belt world champion and just building what i did with mma with brazilian jiu-jitsu because it just creates another pocket amazing. of competition so amazing and rich if guys want to find you on social media 
Twitter handles, Facebook. Yeah, it's Richie Kwan, Coach Kwan. I guess you just put it in there. Um, I'm all of it. In, you know, I use more my Instagram than anything else. So. And FightFit? FightFit's all over there. Um, same thing, FightFit Militia on Instagram. I use Instagram more. The, there's a Facebook page. There's a Twitter handle. Uh, Gracie Bar Sunning Hill um, is, is, is the jiu-jitsu side of things, you know. And obviously, I've got other other gyms uh, grace bar palakwane grace bar Sanson that's opening up um so yeah that's that's good yeah. awesome. Richard, again thank you so much for taking time out no. really really appreciate it right.